Welcome to the Oyster Stew Podcast. I'm Libby Hall, Director of Communications for Oyster Consulting. Regulatory and economic factors are impacting many firms' profitability. Join us today as our experts discuss how some firms are grappling with the decision to retain their FINRA registration or to outsource some of the supporting roles. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Roth, and I'm part of the strategic planning and execution team at Oyster Consulting. Joining me today are two of my partners in crime, Jay Donlin and Pete McAteer, that have led a number of Oyster engagements where you can learn more about their experiences by visiting our website at oysterllc.com. So the wealth and asset management industry continues to be challenged to adapt and transform within our rapidly changing world. The past and what was once is purely a reference point as we look ahead to the future. Oyster has been engaged in a several dozen engagements involving strategic contract reviews, vendor assessments, executive decisioning support, change management, conversion events, and so much more. During that time, there has been critically regulatory and economic factors that have impacted most firms' profitability and have changed the rules of the game. Most notably on the regulatory side, the DOL rule, Reg BI, CAT, mutual fund remediation have all pressured broker-dealers and RIAs to examine the conflicts of interests. Many firms have also chosen to revisit whether they should retain the FINRA registration or outsource some of the supporting roles. So Jay and Pete, are you ready to dive in? Sure, sure. let's go. Jay, why don't you begin by sharing what it means to and introducing broker-dealer to outsource their broker-dealer? Yeah, Jim, thanks. We, um, we're seeing this trend in the industry right now where especially bank broker dealers and insurance broker dealers and even some smaller broker dealers have been uh, exploring the opportunity to shut down their broker dealer and go with what I'll term as a friendly broker dealer model. They become a super OSJ or something of that sort with an independent broker dealer. So one of the things that they're considering is what does that mean to me? What what control do I lose? What risk do I transfer away from me? And that sort of thing. I think that the driving factor in this has been over the last 10 years, the huge push to move a lot of assets to the advisory platform. So the broker dealer component of people's uh, books of business continues to shrink as the advisory grows. So the need for a broker dealer continues to shrink during that same time period. So that's kind of what's driving this, and we're seeing a lot of uh, energy around this uh, decision right now. Pete, there's seven, several common challenges that need to be considered. Share some of them with our audience. Sure, I'd be happy to. One of the key things I think Jay alluded to was, was the uh, perceived or real lack of control or loss of control of decisions around how the firm will operate. And I think that's something that does need to be delved into with your potential partner as you're going through your examination and diving deeper into considering this change. The reality may not be uh, what you think it is. So we encourage you to have those conversations. Another point is around really just managing change internally within your firm, understanding what the impacts are. There will be a number of folks that 
understand that that outsourcing will have an organizational impact. There will be process changes. There will be service model changes. There will be organizational impacts to your team. It also will, will provide those challenges, though, on the positive side. It'll provide challenges for your rock stars. There will be new roles that evolve and created with a new operating model. So there's, there's a lot of positives that, that happen there as well. As far as managing change, uh, having a solid communication plan in place is going to be important. The internal, as I alluded to a, a few moments ago, you really do need to keep your key stakeholders engaged as a decisioning process is going, is going on. From an external perspective, as, as you notify your clients and your advisors, you want to make sure that everybody stays engaged and understands what, they, what the overall impacts would be and what the timing of the change would be, as with any conversion or, or business transformation. There's also some concerns around retention and attrition, uh, keeping, keeping your folks engaged and aligned with the, with the changes and keeping your day-to-day -day operations flowing throughout the transformation. And as with any change, attrition, it can be an impact, it, it, but we haven't really seen a lot of that over the past several years as we've managed several of these transitions. The relationship and model changes, dealing with a new partner. You need to manage this relationship a, a little bit more closely because you are outsourcing so much of your what you've done historically to date. Uh, establishing solid uh, SLAs and metrics uh, to be able to manage and govern your relationship, being able to, to raise issues and run them to ground and to, to pose, pose enhancement requests and to get work done between the, the two new partners. Uh, the, the new process handoffs and visibility around those process handoffs are super, super important and understanding that how that change is going to evolve. And then, you know, again, as I alluded to a few moments ago, that service model will change and there's great opportunities there and great synergies as you hone that process and hand off and manage that uh, that that service model with your new partner. That allows you to refocus your efforts on what you do best and that's providing advice to your clients. Jay, anything else you want to add? Yeah, Jim. Uh, one thing that we're seeing a lot of too are are organizations that um, are deciding to look in this realm of possibilities due to the tech stack um, that they currently are utilizing, either through their um, own firm or through their clearing firm. And what we're finding is the velocity of tech change continues to increase in the industry, and these organizations are seeing that it may be more beneficial for them to leverage somebody else's tech stack. And there are these organizations that are uh, not, I'll call them non-clearing firms, non-traditional clearing firms that have built out some pretty impressive technology stacks in order to support the wealth management business. So that's another uh, kind of uptick that they're looking at is the investment in technology that's being required uh, every um, quarter every year uh, in the industry, um, they they would no longer have to do the majority of that. They may still have to do some ancillary things internally, but in order to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, they're looking to these other organizations that have successfully built out these tech uh, solutions. Gentlemen, there's also opportunities to be considered and embraced as well. Highlight a few of those. 
OK, I'll take the first stab at that. I mentioned a few of these early, earlier. There's opportunities for some of your rock stars, for some of your folks to evolve into new roles and to take on more responsibility to help manage the relationship with this new partner. That That's a huge opportunity. One of the greatest opportunities what really comes with any of these business transformations as you're converting your data, your books and records is indeed that data cleanup. There are a lot of folks that say, how can you say that's an opportunity? But to kind of clean house and to to make make that change and to get the data up to speed and to update your books and records really is is a good feeling and there is a, a tremendous opportunity um, to get your data straight, selling agreements, all that good stuff, um, getting things aligned and clean. Yeah, Jim, something else that that these organizations, I'll call them the friendly BDs or these non-clearing firms that are offering this type of model, they'll help you grow. They will fund a lot of the recruiting efforts. They'll even do the recruiting efforts. They have whole teams of recruiters, either external or internal, that they have uh, in the organization or affiliated with the organization that they can leverage to help you grow your firm. And they're more than happy to. If you grow, it benefits them. So it's it's a huge benefit for firms that may be struggling to uh, fuel their growth is to partner with one of these organizations to get that assistance. We realize these strategic decisions are not easy to make, although it's easy to be enticed by the economics. Pete, what advice can you share to help the leadership teams who are considering these alternatives? Well, I think first and foremost, transparency within the executive leadership team and all the key stakeholders across the firm need to be engaged early on in the process. No one likes surprises. And I often use the adage uh, change management 101 is people don't eat what they don't grow. There's a huge opportunity to encourage each and every one of your leaders to be involved, to be involved in the key requirements, identifying what challenges you're currently having, raising those issues and concerns up front so that any of those perceptions around the, the change and the potential change coming towards the firm are being addressed early and often and ensuring that everybody has that opportunity to work through those, to mitigate some of those concerns and to manage those together. Once the executive team gets closer and closer to the negotiation point where they are actually working through some of those details, it is vitally important that everyone's uh, input is brought to the table and considered as you work through those final uh, negotiating points. Jay, any further advice? Sure, Jim. Uh, you got to know who you are and what you're, where you want to go and who you want to be as a firm. And so one of the things that you need to be cautioned about is the biggest check isn't always the right fit. There's a lot of culture issues, that sort of thing that we have run into with firms that we have counseled through this process. And frankly, several firms that we've, we've uh, worked with didn't take the biggest check. They didn't take the, the most lucrative deal because of these non-financial kind of uh, items. And uh, even though our business is built around money, it isn't always about the money. So external forces like market volatility, technology acceleration, and the new regulatory requirements are shaping the future of our industry, requiring organizations to adapt. The pace of change isn't likely to slow down, and there's no way of knowing what's around the corner. What we do know is 
organizations with the foundation of agility, resiliency, and simplified processes like Pete McIntyre mentioned, are often better set up for success, no matter what comes its way. A refreshed strategy and a current state assessment can take any organization a long way. On behalf of my Oyster partners, thank you for the time you've extended to us during this podcast, as we always welcome your feedback and suggestions at oysterllc.com. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our experts and how Oyster can help your firm, visit our website at oysterllc.com. And if you like what you heard today, follow us on whatever platform you listen to and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Have a great day.